you've heard the expression, breast is best, but is it? Are you going to breastfeed? Just one of the many uncomfortable questions that any pregnant woman, let alone a first-time mom, can be asked. It's about as uncomfortable as a stranger randomly touching your belly. Side note, please don't. And yet it seems everybody, male or female, has an opinion as to whether or not you should breastfeed. On today's episode, we're talking about the benefits of breastfeeding, but also the rising trend of importing formula from other countries. Joining me today, we have our moms, Tracy and Lauren. And for our medical perspective, we have pediatrician, Dr. Jamie Wells. She has our no-nonsense medical take. All right, let's get to it. This is Pre-Motherhood with Teresa Priolo. From New York City, USA, welcome to the Fox 5 Podcast Network. Today we have with us two moms who are both have children, I think, under the age of... Mine's two and a half. Two? I have a four, almost four and, and one. Okay, so we'll start with you, Tracy. Your daughter's two and a half? Yes. What's her name? Her name's Adeline. Adeline. And did you breastfeed? I did. Okay, and Lauren, tell me about your kids. So I... I Ethan, who's almost four, and Julian is is one. And I breastfed both kids, more success with my first than my second. See, that's interesting to me because I hear from a lot of women it's actually the reverse. They feel like they get it right the second time, mm. but not the first because the first is the biggest struggle. But it was flipped for you. Well, I had more time with my first because I didn't have another one running around. So with my second, I didn't have the time that I did to my first. And my first did not like it when I was breastfeeding my second in front of him. He would flip out. Oh, that's, that's yeah. exciting. So I pumped a lot, and we did a lot of pump milk, and then we would do that with uh, formula. But so as you guys know, I'm obviously expecting, I haven't done this yet, this mm-hmm. this conversation of breastfeeding versus bottle feeding, uh, which route I should go, formula, breast milk, what's better for my baby. But the, what I understand is that this is a really controversial hot-button issue or, uh, between a lot of moms, and certainly in the greater conversation as to what's better for your baby. First of all, Tracy, did you find yourself conflicted when you were deciding to go formula or go breast milk? Sure. I didn't. I always knew that I wanted to breastfeed. Um, I had a goal of doing it one year. And it's easy to say that before you have a child. But like when you're this child is like on your body 24-7, a year is a long time. I ended up doing it for about 26 months, a little over two years. She was just like obsessed. And it, <laughs> it worked out great. And, um, and yeah, but no, I wasn't conflicted just because I'm, I'm a health coach, so I'm really into nutrition, and I just know, like, nutritionally speaking, there's so many benefits, also the bonding. Um, it was just always something that I kind of had in my head that I would do, um, and it was really hard at first, but, you know, I kept with it, and, and it ended up working out really well, so it was definitely a goal I had. And you stuck to it. Yeah. What about you, Lauren? Did, was it the same for you? I definitely had, like, I was determined to do it, especially with my first. And I felt like everything I read about breastfeeding is that it's the best. Like, and there's formula out there, and I and I had that as backup, but I really, really wanted to do it. So with my first, I just did it. I got through six months, and out of, like, exhaustion and the fact I couldn't lose any weight, mm-hmm. I kind of, I started um, tapering him off. And did you notice a shift in your child at all when you started to taper and introduce more formula, or did your baby take to it really easily? Yeah, he didn't care. I think as long (laughs) as he was eating, he didn't care. Yeah, that's what I've heard from a lot of pediatricians. At the end of the day, it's about feeding your kid, right? It's not about 
which source they, they get it from. The baby needs to eat. But I think the general theory, Tracy, is that breast milk is best if you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you just think about it, we've evolved over thousands of years and our breast milk has evolved with us. It's like the supposed to be the perfect source of nutrition. You know, you're sick. It creates all these different antibodies. Like, I don't know if you've seen pictures of women pumping. Like, if they fed the baby, let's say, off the right side when it was sick, that milk will be like a different color than the milk off the left side. You know, the tastes are different depending on what you eat. The baby can take in as much as they want or as little as they want, you know, as opposed to like a pre filled formula that's like a set amount so there's just all those reasons always circling around in my head that even in like the tough days I was like all right I'm just gonna like keep with my checklist and and try to you know stay on it but on the flip side you said that you delivered your baby via c-section yes so I would think that breastfeeding from what I understand is quite painful or can be in the beginning it's quite tiring and it's just a pain all the way through, <laughs> even though it's so amazing. But then on top of it, you had the added pain of a C-section. Yeah. So you kind of gave yourself the double whammy. Double whammy, totally. So how did you get through that? I mean, in the beginning, my husband was, like, so instrumental because I couldn't really move. So, like, he would literally sit there and, like, hold her on me. Because even, like, let's say, like, her foot would move for a second and, like, it would touch you. Like, it would cause like immense pain all over your body because like you literally had a major operation so it's kind of like a joke they cut your body in half and then they're like okay here's this child and then they're like okay now you need to feed it like all night long and it's still (laughs) depending on you to live so it's it's a really crazy mind warp um but I think at first like I don't know what to expect like with the next one I'm kind of like gonna mentally prepare but at first you it's almost better you don't know what to expect because you're just like thrown into it and yeah, it, it's very difficult. It definitely is. Now, Lauren, on the flip side, you had a vaginal delivery with both of your um, kids, but yet you also breastfed. So where she had to deal with the immense pain of the incision from the surgery and all that, a vaginal delivery isn't a walk in the park either. I mean, it is perhaps, <laughs> totally the, it. <laughs> from again, from what I understand, having not yet done it, I hear that you know, it's it's not ideal. You don't want to ever go to the bathroom again after you have a bathroom. <laughs> okay. You just don't. And it hurts really bad. And I had like a special seat I used to sit on. It's really bad. I mean, it's different. I had an, my first was 8'4". It's oh, different oh for everybody. Oh, that's so a big my baby. my second, like, was 6'12". And it was just, <laughs> I could have almost run two weeks later. Wow. My first was really bad. And your first is going to be harder because your body's just not used to it yet. So you're, it, like, it has to just get used to it, and it's it's painful. It's really painful. But then add to that the breastfeeding. And then so how did breastfeed. how did you combat that? Because you were, I would imagine, a bit more mobile than say Tracy, since she had the C section. But yet again, the the challenge of breastfeeding doesn't change. Eat a lot and sleep when the baby sleeps. And I actually had a bed in the room where my baby, where the baby was, and I would just sleep when he slept and feed him and he I was just there all the time Mm -hmm. for like the first three months it's so hard you're uncomfortable I had an infection after from the vaginal delivery it's hard it's really hard and you're the exhaustion is like you won't remember the beginning because if you remember (laughs) it you wouldn't do it again nature allows you to forget those first six or eight weeks you just just you just like black out yeah it's (laughs) it's like a it's like a fog in my mind yeah my, my husband my husband just recently said to me, he's like, you've had such a wonderful pregnancy. 
I, I was so blessed. I didn't get morning sickness. I didn't have a lot of the issues oh, that really, a lot of really women have. I've, my energy has kept up. I continued to work out. I, I've, I've really had just a great time. So I'm probably going to have the worst delivery in the whole world. Oh, yeah, you're totally Or my kid now. is going to be a total <laughs> jerk, and I'm really sorry. <laughs> but nonetheless, this process has been wonderful. And my husband said to me recently, he goes, I think, you should just, I think we should just have another one right away. He's like, because you, you like being pregnant. It's been great. Why not? And I looked at him. I said, we haven't been through the tough part yet. Like, we haven't done the exactly. work yet. Yeah, tell him to pump the brakes. I yeah. said. I was Relax. like, I love Relax. that you are into this and that you're so into building a family. I haven't actually delivered, so I haven't felt a contraction yet, which is a fear. I said, I haven't had to recover from a delivery yet, and I haven't had to breastfeed yet, and we haven't had to deal with the screaming baby in the middle of the night yet. So once all that happens, let's just revisit that conversation at a later date. Yeah, you should put a note in your calendar, like check in in three months, and, like <laughs> see what, see if he still feels the same. If way. I still want him living with me too, right, right. <laughs> so, do you guys have friends who um, who have decided to uh, formula feed, and have you tried to discuss the? Sort of the pros and cons, or or the, the difference in the methods with them. Um, yeah, a little bit. I definitely there's one person I knew. You have to be very careful because you don't want to insult everyone, and I think every mother is doing what's best. You know, they're doing the best they can. Um, they're doing what what's best for their family. Everyone's different, but especially you know, I I knew this one woman who she was like, I'm not. I'm not even trying, like at all. I don't, I don't ever want to try. And I tried to be like, what about the colostrum? You know, in the beginning, it's just so important for like populating the microbiome and just like that initial bond. And you know, just, just didn't, didn't want to hear it. And you know, again, you don't want to insult anyone. You don't want to judge anyone. So you really, I just think, have to hope that people do their research and and try to, you know, respect people's decisions. But. It is hard to to hear, like, you're not going to even try. Like, are you sure? <laughs> you know? Do you feel, Lauren, that you um, gained a greater sense of understanding with your child or perhaps that your bond developed quicker with your boys because you breastfed? Did you feel that? Or did, or did you honestly just feel like a food source? I had moments where I felt like a cow. <laughs> and then I had moments where I felt like, oh, this is so lovely. And then, it, you know, at 2 in the morning, it's not so lovely. So you have diff- I guess you have different moments. Also, your hormones are raging. Like, they're just pumping yeah. through. And it's your hormones that are helping you produce everything. So it's you're kind of a little all over the place in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's just hard. It's just, yeah. And, and also, I would say that you really, going back to what Tracy's saying, you have to really be sensitive to other women because some women want to breastfeed and they can't produce. Right. And that's a real struggle for a mm-hmm. lot of women. And I have to say, I had a hard, hard time with my second, and I just couldn't get it going like I did with my first. I, and I pumped, and I tried. Yeah. I didn't have the time. I was stressed because of my first. So it's hard. But, like, I used the foreign formula for my second, and I felt really comfortable using that. That's a perfect segue so, because that's that a, a huge trend that I'm hearing about. I had no idea that anybody had a problem with U.S. formula. Or that it wasn't acceptable for most moms. Um, And so for our listeners who aren't familiar, there is, it appears, this growing trend, this new trend of importing formula from the UK, from Germany. Um, I believe the two biggest brands are Hip and Holly. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is 
allegedly a superior formula to what we have in the United States based on the way that it's manufactured, the way that it's grown, um, what's included in it. I did research four years ago when my first was born. It just wasn't that available then, and I didn't know where to find it, and I was a little nervous to buy formula on eBay. I wasn't okay with that. I didn't know anyone going to, you know, to Holland or to Germany to buy formula. That seemed like that would they even let it in. So with my second now, it's really was really widely available, but all the research on it said that the standards, the organic standards overseas are much harsh, uh, more stringent than ours. And they don't use any corn syrup or corn products or corn solids. It's different labels on the formula, but I don't want either of my kids being exposed to like a corn product in their formula. That really, really bothered me. Mm -hmm. And I know there are some pretty good American formulas, but now that there are available from the foreign ones, the European ones, there's everything in it. The They have prebiotics and probiotics and um, the standards that they use and just everything about it was, I felt, really far superior than what's on the market here. Yeah, I did some research on it, because I, I, not only for my own personal knowledge, because it's something that I'm considering, should I not be able to breastfeed, or if I want a supplement for that midnight feeding or that mm -hmm. 3 a.m. feeding, which I know a lot of moms mm -hmm. do as a way to try to get the baby to sleep a little bit more through the night. The European practices uh, deal only with organic farming. So there's no pesticides, there's no chemical f fertilizers used, there's no genetic modification of any sort of products. They also claim that the formula itself from overseas is sweeter than U.S. formula, apparently, which more mimics breast milk, which is why a lot of babies allegedly take to it as easily as they might breast milk. Um, the pre and probiotics, as you mentioned as well, which now a lot of U.S. formulas are including, that's a standard thing. And there are just some other key... Um, hormones that are added or not added um, that really make a, this for a lot of women a superior product. Did you find that your child took to it easily, wasn't spitting up as much? Because I hear that that's a big problem with um, some of the U.S. brands, not for every kid, but for some, that they tend to spit up a lot if they have a Similac or an Enfamil or one of those. Well, we tried... Similac, and they actually have Similac Organic in the hospitals now. That's new. I, I felt like that was new in four years, that that was even, organic was even an option. Um, then when I got home, I had the foreign. I mean, I breastfed a lot, but then I had the foreign as backup. And the initial, I tried the haul, but he was really gassy. So you don't know. You kind of have to try sometimes. So he, I wasn't sure he was taking to the haul. He seemed kind of really gassy. But then I switched to the hip. Believe it or not, I've heard it from a lot of baby nurses um, who told me that babies that they initially thought were colicky or babies who were spitting up a lot had acid reflux, the mom or someone in the family decided to make the decision to switch to an overseas formula. And while it wasn't a complete panacea, it, it certainly alleviated a lot of the stress on the baby, mm -hmm. which I think is incredible. And then I think to myself, but then why isn't the FDA approving this? Why is there now, the, why are these, are there these back channels that moms need to go through in order to get this stuff here? It's a good question. Yeah. Right. Do you have any friends that have tried to do, the, Tracy, the um, imported formula or anything like that? Yeah, I have a friend who, um, towards the end of the year, the baby, it was just wasn't, you know, she wasn't producing enough. And so the same same situation she imported, I think the I think her daughter took well to the Holly, but, you know, same thing. It was kind of like a pain in the ass to get. Um, 
and and I agree. I don't know why these things should be so difficult to to get through because it sounds like if it's a superior product, you want to offer it to. Yeah. But a lot of moms are freaked out about the fact that the FDA isn't appro- isn't on board with this. Right? Isn't regulating this? Isn't allowing you to import it? Um, and I know that there are some U.S. distributors now that are that are making it more widely available to moms. But that's a relatively new thing, like a couple of months, maybe a year. Um, and we know that this has been a problem for quite a long time. So, Yeah, I mean, with the with the breastfeeding, what I can speak to um, is just in the beginning, it's, it's definitely hard. You know, I remember every time she latched on me, it was like very painful at first. But, but get help. Like I asked for the lactation consultants every day in the hospital and, and they were helpful. And actually my mother-in-law is a lactation consultant and one of my best friend's mother um, is as well. Can I say that over? One of my best friend's mother is also a lactation consultant. And um, my mother-in-law was in Florida, so she wasn't here at the time, but my best friend's mom was. And I remember a week, not even a week, maybe, sorry. And I remember four days um, after I came home from the hospital, I called her and I was like, Patty, you have to come over right now. She came over, she sat with me for like two hours, and it turned out like my daughter's lips just weren't um, up enough. Like she was... I know you guys can't see this, but basically it was as her if lips she was were like, closed. her lips were closed instead of being fully open over my nipple. And all of a sudden, like within a few days, it stopped hurting and that problem was kind of taken care of. So like use professionals for help. Like they really do know what they're doing. And it takes a few months. And also I would just advise for people not to get crazy with you know a schedule like you'll in the beginning like you'll you'll hear a mom you know you'll meet a mom that'll be like oh my god my kid eats every three hours and sleeps you know three hour four hour blah 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 and you're like oh my god what am I doing wrong like she eats every hour and I haven't slept and like I'm the worst mom and it's like no like every kid is completely different. Lauren share with me some of your tips or tricks especially um, because you had two very different experiences. So I would say definitely take advantage like the hospital has like the classes on breastfeeding anything the hospital offers take advantage of and the lactation consultant I actually I was more on top of it the second time as soon as I got to my room I told the nurse I wanted the lactation consultant to come in to help me and get me going and so I would say 100% take advantage also you can maybe through your insurance get a lactation consultant to come to your house that's a great idea and have someone come over and like really work with you because it's hard like and Mm. if you don't if it's not coming in don't be afraid to research the formula and find a formula that works so that there is backup because you can make yourself really crazy and there is good formula like I felt comfortable feeding my second formula because there's great formula in the market and then you are going to be starving. So take care of yourself. Like breastfeeding makes you really hungry. Really hungry. Really, well, really hungry. And that's another thing I hear from moms is that oftentimes the breastfeeding isn't working because they're them- they themselves are not taking you, right, you care need of their to eat own more needs. You calories. See the, yeah, and you, need, you see these images of women like so-and-so, you know, famous woman gives birth and in, in a month or two later she's lost all her weight. Well, she's probably not breastfeeding. There's no way you can lose all that weight in breastfeeding. She may also have had a tummy tuck when she had her C-section. Yes. You know. I have heard heard that doctors in yes. LA will do that but yeah. no doctor should really ever do that. No, that's and the really little bad. lipo on the side. Yeah. But, totally. But, but we're not but advocating. That's a separate issue. Yeah. We're not yeah. advocating. But in general you're really hungry. Just take care of yourself and take it easy. It can be stressful and get, you know, and have help. Like right. have help. Have your husband do like a pump. Get the pump. The um, health insurance is free to get a um uh, a pump, a pump mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And pump and like have your husband like do a put a him bottle. to work. 
Oh yeah, your like, husband or your the, wife, your partner, put them to work. Totally. No, partner. my husband did every diaper. Like I fed her, and th- th- that was it. He did the diaper. He did the oh, poop exfoliants and changes. Well, because I couldn't move at first. Like he, yeah. I, I literally couldn't get up. Even though we have one of those great bassinets that, like, ain't, it kind of came over. Like a co-sleeper almost. Yeah. But I still was in so much pain, I couldn't really bend, like, do that angle to lift her. So he had to get up anyway. So I was like, all right, I'm done. Like, here, she's yours. And yeah. and that was a good kind of pattern reset because yeah. he still does the diapers, like, on the weekends and stuff. I'm like, no say, diapers here. We did a shift. Like, he, I would pump, and then he'd have, like, a bottle at, like, 12 or 1 so I could sleep from, say, whatever it was, like, 9 to 3. And then I would take maybe that 3 or 4 a.m. feed and he would do like the one o'clock feed so then I could sleep through through, and then he could you know he had to work the next day I'm not working but at least that I could get a few straight hours because I did have my Mm -hmm. you know my toddler I had a toddler but he was like two and a half at the time to take care of and you need like and then he's my toddler's coming to me to wake me up at six or seven in the morning so it was exhausting right and then there's that and there's yeah there's that that's another whole layer which is not today's conversation right 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 one one thing that i do want to mention and line up your village like get outside help you need outside help yeah you know friends family paid help whatever it is like Mm -hmm. line up your village and know who like i i say a sitter is the best money ever spent just so you and your husband can get out a little bit and have someone that your daughter will go to and maybe take her or son to take a bottle from. So it's not always on you. It's not yeah. always on mom. Mm-hmm. So you get a break. You mm-hmm. need to have a break. I have one other suggestion you reminded me with being ravenous all the time is I had like a little basket that I would like carry around with me because like sometimes like my daughter would literally eat for like 40 minutes and then she'd fall asleep on me and I would be like okay well I don't want to wake her because I'm just going to restart this whole process so I would just like chill there so like I always had a little basket with like some water and like a snack and like a book I was reading or something like that just because I ended up getting like stuck a lot um that's a great idea and and starving a lot too like you said like my night stand was like an embarrassment like it would be like so all these snacks and like empty water bottles but because like it's almost immediate after you feed like I would get this intense hunger and even though I was tired like I would have to just like like I'd put a few almonds in my mouth just like something you know healthy if or you know that just to say like a healthy fat or something yeah just to to fill you up a little bit but um but the basket came in handy especially was not when I was alone because at first I would just get stuck there like she'd be sleeping on me I'd be like naked just like sitting there and for like an hour or so right and what are you gonna do yeah yeah nothing so it was good to to kind of have some activity for myself and food <laughs> yeah can I get seamless delivered to my bedside <laughs> yeah can I do that I, the delivery man comes in. I'm sitting there naked with a child totally. on me. Um, Just leave well, the pizza at the no foot shame. of the bed. You, you probably would do that. You lose like all yeah. your You're shame. All, no Completely. Shame. I would definitely. You can leave I would my pizza 100%. right at the foot of the bed. I'll get to it in a minute. I think there's a key under the mat. Just don't look at my chest. 100% come in. Right. Although after a hospital stay and after going through nine months of doctor's visits, at some point you're like, eh, whatever. It doesn't matter anymore. Just look if you want to look at this point. No, totally. Good, you know? People come over, I'd be like, well, this is going on, but if you want to come in, you know. Yeah, just come on in. Get some water from the Yeah, you really lose all sense of dignity. It's really crazy. Like, if you have I was going to say inhibition, but dignity, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. but well. I'll check in with you guys in a couple of months and let you know how I'm doing. And yeah, if, I can't wait to hear. If my yeah. hair's in a top knot, if I have no makeup on and I look like death warmed over. You, oh, you, I'll send you, you a picture of me every day, except you, for right now. You know how it's going. All right. <laughs> Ladies, thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> 
Thanks to my moms for sharing their stories. Let's bring in Dr. Jamie Wells to give us the medical perspective on breastfeeding versus formula feeding, and also the rise of the imported formula from overseas. And when I mentioned this to you originally, (laughs) the impression that I got was hogwash. I have no guile. Okay. (laughs) Okay. If I'm happy, I'm smiling. If I'm sad, I'm crying. It's pretty simple when it comes to that. So let's start with breastfeeding. Okay. The general wisdom from all reputable medical sites is that if you can breastfeed, if, if it works for you, if you are able to produce uh, enough milk, breastfeeding is the best thing for your child if you are able to do it. Do you share that medical opinion? Breastfeeding is the gold standard. That's absolutely um, evident. The, there are a lot of wonderful things about breastfeeding if it's the right thing for you. And, you know, most women... Um, today unfortunately there's a lot of shaming that goes on with regard to breastfeeding formula whatever and it shouldn't it's a personal decision with your pediatrician the person who knows your uh, baby's health history and the other issue and your medical history Um, baby's history is mom's history so there are times mom's on medication is incompatible with breastfeeding there are times where other scenarios arise where mom has a cancer and is on chemotherapy there are many reasons why breastfeeding is not an option for someone and there are reasons and there are women who don't want to breastfeed and that's fine they can have more than adequate nutrition and sustenance from formula which is a wonderful thing breastfeeding has a lot of positive attributes to it number one it has um, an ability to uh, increase bonding with mom it is cheaper in terms of worry with regard to cost darn near free can be but once people put into the mix some of these very expensive automated pumps, um, and in fact, a lot of people will first time around get all these really fancy automated pumps and, and all this other accoutrement with regards mm-hmm. to <laughs> expressing breast milk and everything. And what they learned once they have the actual baby is that um, there's no more effective pump than a baby. And the... Um, <laughs> right, I mean, the baby does what the baby... The baby does what the baby is designed to, to do. do. Right. And the um, the things that they wind up spending on are not necessarily the things that they ultimately need. Uh, but yes, you can feed it anywhere, anytime in terms of that. Um, there's an improved immunity uh, from breastfeeding. But certainly, breast milk is, is encouraged to be the exclusive feed especially in the first six months, they extrapolate to the first year. Um, But you do get benefits from breastfeeding, even if you wind up giving some formula, um, if that's the choice that you decide to make. Can you, as a pediatrician, can you tell when a baby comes to you and they have been breastfed or formula fed? Do you just sort of know? Is there any way to know kind of immediately from a medical perspective based on symptoms that the child might have or how strong their immune system is or something like that? Well, I can tell you that um, 100% of women would cry to me who are breastfeeding, so that might be a way that I would know. Yeah. There, are, Hollywood does a great disservice to women in terms of making them think that they were one with nature and God spoke through them from the minute the baby was born. <laughs> the reality is, is the baby's in a swimming pool, comes out through a scary canal or if a C-section into air, and it's a traumatizing experience for mom and baby in a good way. There are good traumatic yeah, but experiences, but, but they don't come out, you know, perfectly ready to suck and swallow the way that they do with every passage of every month 
that goes by. And first time moms, especially, you know, this is a new experience for them. But the reality is, is newborn babies sleep most of the time. You have to wake them. Your Their feeds in the first couple of weeks can take the better part of 40 minutes to an hour. They'll suck for two seconds, fall asleep. You stimulate them, suck for two seconds, fall asleep. So a lot of times women will complain that they feel like cows because they feed for better part of an hour. They get like a two hour break. They do it again. Uh, the more you put the baby to the breast, the more it stimulates your body to make milk. The less you put the baby to the breast, the less it stimulates your body to make milk. So I would say uh, m- the vast majority, if not all, it would be really an outlier who first time around um, doesn't take a little time to get to their stride. And I would say most women tend to hit their stride at four to six weeks of breastfeeding. Uh, the baby's more alert and active. Their suck and swallow is more coordinated. Mom is better. You'll notice moms have a difficult time on their non-dominant arm because it's an awkward position. They're not used to holding a baby. Sometimes they're recovering from a C-section, so the baby has to visit, be positioned in a certain way that they're not going over the incision. Uh, people tend to focus on the baby's re- uh, regaining of the birth weight. And regaining of the birth weight, again, like I, I was saying before, there are guidelines you know babies lose before they start to gain and that's very standard uh so breastfed babies sometimes take the better part of three weeks to regain birth weight as long as they remain stable they're being monitored that they're healthy and normal and thriving they're eating peeing pooping okay these are your greatest indicators of well-being but breastfeeding can take time to for literally every woman to get their stride women who are second time arounders third time arounders your body has memory and sometimes that's quicker if someone has a c-section that delays your milk production Um, if someone is on certain medications they can delay your milk production but the reality is is that nature's pretty amazing and we'll figure out a way to make it happen the more the babies put the breast the more um, it happens as well but breastfed babies can become a little they can get a little more dehydrated because all you have is the colostrum initially, um, which is the appropriate amount of pro for the first few days is the appropriate amount of protein and fat that readies the gut to receive the milk. Then the m- mom's breast milk is in, and most women, if they're if they say, "Oh, I think it's in," then it's not in. You know, you know, <laughs> you know when it's in, and when it's in, you'll notice greater saturation of the wet diapers. You'll notice a more vigorous mm. baby. You'll notice that. Um, it will be more voluminous. Um, but a critical thing with regard to breastfeeding that people don't understand is, you know, uh, there are a lot of, of voices around, there's a lot of noise surrounding infant feeding, which is always fascinating to me, especially when people aren't involved directly in <laughs> someone else's yeah, everybody life seems to have Everybody has an on opinion. This, yeah. It's overwhelming. It's very different. Even just the ability to run downstairs to get your coffee or something, you don't have that capacity when you have the baby. You can do that right now, but like seven weeks from now, you may not be right. able to do that if your husband yeah, goes I'm, out. I'm fully contained at this or point, the, or but there's, right. You know, right. And, and so the, the stressors of it can make um, baby becomes the biggest importance. So moms forget to eat. Uh, sometimes people are obsessed with regarding with regard to getting back to their um, pre-baby, pre-baby weight. weight. So that can be catastrophic for an infant in because you can produce the amount, but it will have no nutritional value and the baby will lose and lose and lose and lose weight. And the most important thing in the 
first year in particular of life is the developing brain and spine and you need good fats to myelinate the nerves of the brain and spine of the baby. So oftentimes what happens is you see the baby's not gaining, not gaining, not gaining, and it's not an effect of breastfeeding per se, but mom's not necessarily taking in what, um, you know, everyone's so focused on the baby. Uh, so so when the mom's they, not taking in the healthy fats. Not or taking in the healthy fats, not hydrating carbs, enough. Right. Then you get everybody on board, they start eating, whatever, and then what you start seeing is more vibrant baby. The feeds get easier because the baby's getting the nourishment that the baby requires. So it's a very individual thing. It's not a competition between babies and parents in terms of who's the better breastfeeder within an hour or two. And because the baby will always win. <laughs> the, baby, the baby will always win. And what works for someone else is not necessarily what works for you. And it's pretty routine for a pediatrician to ask you about your feeding. I mean, that's the most important thing, as I said. If a baby's eating, there a year, a week of life in a newborn or an infant is like a year of our development. Oh wow! So really? the great, basically, they're going to the gym is their feeds. So if they're able to feed without being extremely winded, without sweating, without these things, that's a great indicator of well-being of an intact cardiovascular system, of all these other things. Mm. So. If they're staying adequately hydrated, they'll wet the appropriate amount of diapers, they'll be vigorous, they'll be easily arousable, all of these things, and these are continuously assessed. So if, if somebody can't breastfeed, mm -hmm. then we move on to formula feeding because, mm -hmm. as you always say, the baby needs to eat. Yes. One way or another, this kid well, needs sustenance. And, and the other thing that I get very upset about these all at all costs um, initiatives for um, women is putting a woman into a postpartum psychosis does not benefit a family. You need to know what your situation is, what the other, some people have chronic diseases, some people have other things in their life, some people lost a spouse while they were pregnant, some people have triplets and a newborn, you know, there are so many scenarios and the best thing is a fed baby who's well nourished. When parents, the children are sleeping well, eating well, doing these things well, you're going to have a happy family that has less stress that is more rested, which increases your everyone's immunity. So, I mean, there's a give and take with regard to everything. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I'm sensing that you are not so on board with is the idea of importing formula from overseas. Well, you brought up to me this thing about importing uh, formula from Germany in particular. So I learned about this on because I haven't done it yet, right? I have yet to give birth. so. I don't know if I'm going to take to my kid's going to take to breastfeeding. I'm going to give it a try. Right. There's no reason see to see how you this works or, out. That's right. And I hear that you get all this free stuff from the hospital, which is fantastic. But that's changing. But then I heard, well, wait, you don't want to give them Similac or Infamil or generic brand. Moms, especially in New York, they import formula from the UK and Germany, uh, and. That is the best stuff for your kid. This is what, this is what I'm being sold, Doctor Wells. That this is what he sees is my best. face. That you're producing yes, my face. <laughs> it is the closest to breast milk. It is sweet like breast milk. It does not confuse the baby. It reduces the amount of spit up. And by and large, those who have tried it say it is a far superior product. Now, I don't know if that's true from a medical perspective. Is there anything wrong with the U.S. brands that we have? So this reminds me of a lot of things today, solutions to problems we don't really have. 
that's one of the first things that comes to mind here. It's like a lot with regard to the fear around vaccines. Unfortunately or unfortunately, a lot of people didn't see what went down before the existence of vaccines. So there's not an appreciation for what they have really accomplished and how fortunate we are to be in the time that we're living. Um, there was something called the Infant Act, Infant Formula Act of 1980, I think it was, that originated because formula is the sole sustenance of breast milk is, unlike other foods, unlike other, uh, formula is considered a specialty food because for an infant, if they can't be breastfed, it's the only source of nutrition that they can have. So years and years ago, that act of Congress um, happened because there were issues with manufacturing in terms of uh, I think it was salt that was omitted, so they found out a year later or whatever that all these babies had chloride deficiencies. So one of the most regulated by the FDA, um, depending upon however you feel about the FDA, the one thing I can say is the one of the most studied, one of the most tried and true, over, so regulated for safety efficacy is infant formulas. There's generic formulas, the brand formulas, all of these things have been around for a long time. They are more than adequate. They allow babies to thrive. Uh, they save babies' lives. They're babies who are neonatal. This, these notions that get run about, about you know, nipple confusion or someone's going to have formula and not be able to breastfeed or not be able to suck on anything else. They're babies in the NICU, neonatal intensive care unit, who are fed with tubes for months and go home and successfully feed. They're babies who have a bottle and then go and successfully breastfeed. You may have a frustrating feed or two, but when a baby has no choice, as I said, there's no more effective pump than a baby. They're going to suck on whatever's put before them. Um, the um, When the organic uh, formulas started to come about, a lot of them, they were a lot more expensive. They still are more expensive. A lot of them had higher sugar contents than other formulas. They weren't studied as much. Um, so a lot of the data now in terms of organic foods with regard to um, nutritional uh, benefits and long-term health is mixed at best. So there's no there's nothing that's necessarily saying that the you know um, in terms of longevity that there's any superior health outcome with regard to that. So the formulas have to meet a certain nutritional standard here. They also are subject to quality testing in their manufacturing um, plants by the FDA. Uh, I can't verify that that exists in other parts of the world. So I wouldn't necessarily, as I said, the first year or two of um, a child's life is an irreversible window where if they're improperly nourished, which could be from, you know, poor quality control measures in a plant, it could be from, not even from formulas, it could be because, you know, uh, breast milk doesn't have the right mix of things that it should be having in it. Um, which is easy to, to correct in both circumstances. And that's why we visit frequently with the pediatrician um, in the first year. So I would discuss specifically what you feed your baby with your chosen pediatrician who knows the health history of the baby. But um, I wouldn't be jumping necessarily to... Um, we have very verifiable, trusted, uh, known entities here that I don't have concerns about. The one thing that a lot of moms have told me is that they, they do have concerns that the FDA does not allow does not allow you to readily import the formula that from Germany or wherever. So they see that as a red flag. But 
then they also say that it has been proven to help with colic or spit up or other things, at least in their children. So one of the things that I could say to you is all babies reflux to a certain extent or another. Spit up is normal. Have a dialogue with the person who's taking care of you. There are certain things that are quote unquote said to be natural that could be really bad if your baby's on a certain medication. Uh, So always have a good back and forth communication with your doctor just to make sure that you're not doing something that will harm the baby. But don't just assume that something that says it's natural is safer. A lot of times it's less um, evaluated. All right. Well, I'll let you know how it goes. (laughs) I'm going to give most of it a shot and we'll see. But, you know, I am interested to see how my child um, reacts not only to breastfeeding and whether or not he or she takes to it, but also how he or she takes to formula too. And if... And if it's something that it... You know, there are pluses and minuses to everything. There's no reason that breastfeeding isn't going to be easier for you. But everything's about managing expectations. If you believe that from moment one the baby should latch and it should be perfect, you're going to feel like a failure when that doesn't happen. You're going to feel like whatever. If by day four it's really easy for you... You're going to feel so great. And this is a very realistic, well, I'm gonna feel like wonderful. I'm going to feel like a superstar. You're going to feel like a superstar. And, you know, but it's 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 super important to recognize that most people struggle initially. Yeah. I would say if you can make it past the first two to three weeks, those are the ones where families and spouses and loved ones need to be extremely supportive. Because if you can make it past the first two to three weeks, you can really achieve success at breastfeeding. And, you know, your pediatrician, anybody can help you in terms of doing the breastfeeding too. If that's your goal, you want to be around people that help you support your goal. And just quickly tell me if you recommend supplementation. Um, so breastfeeding with a little bit of supplementing of the formula. Is that something that you would tell patients or recommend? Supplementing of the formula with So what? like, for example, for the midnight feed or the 3 a.m. feed or... Um, as a way to oh, supplementing with for I'm sorry well, supplementing, with, and supplementing, su- with supplementing with formula yeah as a way to give the mom a little bit of a, a break and I, that sounds like a total cop out to say but I know it's necessary um, well for, first for, especially and foremost for new moms. the babies are in the first couple months of life are feeding throughout the night it's not until like month four or so that they're starting to sleep through the night and I would say it depends on the wishes of the of the parent sometimes people want their spouse to be able to contribute to a feed. Um, I'm never a fan of feeding and then laying the baby right on their back immediately because, as I said, all babies reflux to a certain extent. They have a very loose, immature sphincter um, So when they in the stomach area. So when they feed, if you – sometimes they'll feed – as they get more and more alert, they'll feed so vigorously, they'll suck down so much. Formula, obviously, is sometimes easier than um, breastfeeding for them to take a big volume. And then not only – does that not give it enough time to train to go into transit they may spit up a little bit they may arch their backs or get a little reflux but most of those times and colicky babies sometimes that's just who you got you know that's and just what you not, made right? and you just got to survive it and i always say you get it at one point or another i'd much rather you get a colicky baby be tortured now and have the perfect adolescent because it seems to the universe tends to even it out that way because once they're an adolescent, you can't keep them in the house if they're going That's down the That's true. Although not having yet gone through the pain of labor and the sleepless nights that follow and all of that, 
I think there are a lot of moms who are saying, no, I would gladly give up having a colicky baby because I was so exhausted by that point that I, you know, I was losing my wits. Well, I but, always say the first couple of years are survival and then it's about parenting. Unfortunately, you do have to do, you do have to. <laughs> do both simultaneously. You do. Because <laughs> the damage that you do to them in the first few years really does set them up for later. Right. So it comes back to haunt you. You want to lead by example. You want to show consequences to your actions and you want to follow through. You'll find in the toddler time, it can be really trying. And I always say the terrible twos are like 14 months till the age of four. Some come back to you at three, but most of them come back to you at four. And then four to 12 is my favorite. So it's so great. Hear that, moms? <laughs> if you have a kid in, in the range of four to 12, you're in the sweet spot, according to Dr. Wells. <laughs> totally sweet spot. And if you're not, then you've got something to look forward to. All right, Dr. Wells, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming in. Thank you. Pre-Motherhood with Teresa Priolo is part of the Fox 5 Podcast Network. This episode was recorded, edited, mixed, made awesome by Matt Onimus. The executive producers are myself, Matt Onimus, and Imad Ashgar. Byron Harmon is VP of News, and our Vice President and General Manager of Fox 5 is Lou Leone. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments or you just want to say hi, reach out to me on Twitter at Fox 5 Teresa or on Facebook. Teresa Priolo and why. And stay tuned for our next episode. <laughs>